0: Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer, and today is Sunday, January 2nd, 2022. And today, instead of a weekend update, I'm going to get interviewed by Editor in Chief Dan Roberts on my. Year in review. My biggest stories for 2021 in the crypto space. But before we get into that, let's get into those crypto prices. We have Bitcoin sitting at $47,250, pretty much even from 24 hours ago. Ethereum is at $3,764, up a percent in 24. Binance Coin is at 525 up a percent. Tether's in the number four spot, and Solana is at $175, up a percent. Running off the top 10, we have Cardano, USDC, XRP, Luna, and Polkadot. Total market cap, we're at $2.24 of a BTZ dominance of 39.8 and an ATH dominance of 19.9. And now, without further ado, Editor-in-Chief Dan Roberts interviews me on my year's biggest stories.
1: All right. We are live here on December 30. I'm Dan Roberts, the Editor-in-Chief of Decrypt, and it's almost time for the new year. But first, we got to talk through some of the biggest stories of the year that was. I'm joined by Matthew Diemer, who hosts the Decrypt Daily podcast for us. Hey, what Matthew. Up, what up?
0: How you doing, Dan? How you doing? Good to see you, man. Happy New Year coming up.
1: Good to see you. Happy New Year. Happy Crypto New Year. Um, It's funny, you know, just to set the stage here, uh, in past years, we rarely got a break in terms of the crypto news cycle. I mean, we almost never get a break because stuff is just coming out at all hours. And yet, uh, you know, people love to say the crypto markets never sleep, blah, blah, blah. And yet this week has felt pretty dead, hasn't it? I mean, there just hasn't been much news and there hasn't been much price action
0: horrible horrible just sideways price action for the past couple weeks everybody's sleeping everybody's uh eating getting with family giving gifts and uh well one gift they're not giving is bitcoin prices because bitcoin right. has just been sliding sideways and so has listenership and readership but that's okay i can't wait for the new year because that's when it, it blows up
1: yeah absolutely and uh, i wonder if instead of gifting people crypto which definitely was a thing like end of 2017 during that run Uh, And maybe, you know, eight months ago or a year ago, instead of crypto, I wonder if people are buying their loved ones NFTs. Uh, Some some JPEGs? Yeah. I mean, you know, despite the takes of like NFTs are dead, like they're really not. And in fact, uh, just a couple of days ago, you know, our NFT whiz, Andrew Hayward, published a story about mutant apes. Uh, The trading volume has been up like 500 percent in the last month or so. So NFTs are really hot. I I think people are buying uh, loved ones NFTs as a way to gateway them into crypto.
0: Well, if anybody wants to buy me a mutant ape or a bored ape or a CryptoPunk, you can 100%. My birthday was yesterday. So if you guys want to gift me a, a bored ape for my birthday, you can go right ahead.
1: Nice. Happy birthday.
0: So thank you, <laughs> sir. I appreciate that.
1: Um. Well, you know, just to set the stage in one more way for everyone who's watching, uh, we at Decrypt do these live videos once a week, every week. We've been doing that for uh, about six months here. Sometimes it's a one-on-one like this. Sometimes it's a group roundtable, and Matthew participated in one of our most recent roundtables, but this today is special. This is like the crossover event. Matthew, this to me is like Avengers Infinity War, you know? Remember when they marketed it, they said the biggest crossover event in in cinema history, because this is the decrypt editorial staff, you know, video home uh, merging here with our podcast, which you have done faithfully and wonderfully for a long time, uh, hosted our daily podcast. So, you know, we've got stuff that we bring to the table with the articles we write, uh, and you've got, of course, all the stuff you bring to the table with your daily uh, talking on the podcast, as well as always hearing from listeners. So you always have guests on and you're asking them what they think about things. Today, we're going to turn it around and I'm going to ask you your take <laughs> on the biggest stories of the year.
0: <laughs> well, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about my biggest stories of the year. I think they're going to be a little more abstract than most people are are hearing, uh, but I, I, I'll, I'll put reason to it. And I hope, yeah. I hope everybody understands why I picked the ones I do. I did pick.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at some of the things you sent me, you know, some of them are stories that I've been watching and and would also be on my list. And then there's stuff that I wouldn't have thought of. Let's just start with uh, constitution DAO because it feels like a touch point. You know, one of those examples where everyone in crypto was watching, but also it kind of went mainstream and there was coverage by everyone. I mean, to me, what happened with constitution DAO was the moment that DAOs went mainstream. Of course, uh, I don't assume every viewer is is a total crypto expert. So when we say DAO, D-A-O, we're talking about decentralized autonomous organizations. Uh, Matthew, what did you make of what went down with the Constitution DAO bidding process?
0: So when i pick these stories uh so just you know go forward to sort of like the framework i thought i i wanted to pick stories that was like set up dominoes to fall like for the future so it wasn't just like a one-off so on my list you're not going to see something like uh tesla buying bitcoin because even though tesla bought bitcoin and put it on their balance sheet And with MicroStrategy as well, it didn't knock down dominoes. Like we didn't see the Fortune Mm. 500 companies just start saying, oh, well, now Apple has to get some Bitcoin and now uh, uh, Exxon has to get Bitcoin or something. So I didn't pick that. I also didn't pick something like uh, El Salvador either, because even though they got Bitcoin and made it legal tender, it's not like they started to knock down the dominoes of every country going like, well, now it's my turn, you know. But even though they were talking about it, Panama, Zimbabwe, uh, Costa Rica and other countries... uh, it didn't just you know everybody just didn't start opening the floodgates so these are things that i think started knocking down dominoes for the future of all of crypto in the crypto space so constitution dow was huge because it showed that people can get together pull money um, and this is nothing new it's nothing new that people can pull money for uh, crowdsourcing or uh you know ipos or or you know or you know uh, startups or whatever but it showed that people with a like-minded and like goal can pull money very quick a lot of it to go achieve something and it actually the biggest domino that fell, I think, fell with this was now was two. One is that we can see that this can happen now that uh, Wyoming sees Dow's as could be an LLC. So if you're registered in Wyoming, it's quite possible you see Dow's going to make different purchases, uh, maybe going to be big shareholders of companies uh, buy sports teams. Uh, you know, this they, they, just now just crowdsource a whole new kind of era of of, you know, just pulling capital together to for for mutual goals. The other thing that I think the domino that fell with this is to actually, it actually started to iron out the wrinkles in the DAOs because after the Constitution DAO failed, um, which I mean, first it was amazing that they pulled together, you know, forty million dollars or however much it was, they found out that oh, we didn't plan this through. What do we do with the money afterwards? How do people aren't educated uh, with using Ethereum? So maybe they paid fifty dollars for gas fees but donated a hundred, and now if we say we're going to return fifty dollars, they're like. Uh, or even less because of the gas fees coming back, they were like uh, people were like kind of upset because their money was now spent in just transaction fees. So it, it opened up so many things that that I think that now going forward we're going to see a huge allocation of capital through Dow's, but also great planning of of how to um, allocate that capital and use it in f- further plans. So I think that this is a huge story of the year.
1: So let's drill down a little further. You know, you mentioned that. Uh, some people didn't love the way it went or the process. I mean, here's a great viewer comment that gets at this. I agree with you that um, just the effort represented a lot. It showed what DAOs are capable of. But for now, it's still all potential. That's not to say DAOs haven't accomplished anything. Many of them have. They've raised money quickly. But in terms of what feels to me like the new category of high-profile DAOs, which, as you said, is groups of people that their effort, their goal is to buy some big asset, often a physical item or a real-world thing, sports teams. Yesterday, we covered a DAO that wants to buy the rights to the Blockbuster brand, or in this case, <laughs> a physical copy of the U.S. Constitution. Right. Some things, I think, reflected the still lingering problems with DAOs. I mean, first of all, a lot of people think that it made it easier for Ken Griffin to outbid because he knew precisely how much money they had. And of course, you know, I don't know how to remedy that because the whole point of DAOs is that everything is public and transparent, but everyone knew the exact amount of money the DAO had raised. So he said, okay, they have 41 million, I'll do 42 million, whatever the numbers ended up being, as this person points out. The other issue was there was so much disorganization, it felt very haphazard during the bidding. Even the people who had given money to Constitution DAO had no idea which of the people at Christie's, was it Sotheby's or Christie's? One of those two. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, um, people didn't. People didn't seem to know which person was their. It was Sotheby's. Was their representative, and that's a problem. I mean, why wasn't there? You know, someone that told everyone, "Hey, here's the link. Here's where to watch. And here's our guy." You know, and and when Brooke, one of the bidders, won, people said, "Oh, Brooke was definitely ours," and I think it's because they assumed you know the other guy looked kind of like a a stiff. You know white guy from the traditional art world and the other one was a young woman and people said oh brooke is definitely the Dow. nope you know it was david so there was so much confusion and again that's because this is all so new you know move fast and break things but I also think the the fallout showed what needs to get better about Dow's.
0: You know, you're, you're 100% right. And that's why I think that in the, the whole like conversations on Twitter, on Discord, you know, afterwards of what are we going to do with the money? Should we do something else? People that want, you know, that whole battle, they didn't dot, dot their I's. They didn't cross their T's. Um, and you're 100% right about, you know, broadcasting how much money you have to do something. And I think that we see like that's one of the same conversations when it comes to government spending. If you pass a bill that says we have 500 million or or, or 300 billion dollars to do X, now companies don't even have to bid about it. They're like, OK, that's how much money you got. This is what we're going to charge you and so on and so forth. So um, there, ha- there has to be you no know, when it comes to bidding, you know, and trying to buy things, there has to be some I's dotted, T's crossed and other ways to do it, especially when you're in an auction format. However, still thinking it's one of the biggest stories of the year because of what they tried to accomplish, what they did accomplish and the things that they could accomplish and the dominoes that are going to fall in 2022, I think.
1: Agree completely. And of course, you have a special interest too in the way that these online groups rapidly come together and fundraise since you are running for political office. So good luck to you. You're running for Congress in Ohio. And, (laughs) you know, let's remember, uh, I mean, side tangent here, but I think even DAO, NFT, all this jargon, all these acronyms are going to go away. I mean, when I'm trying to explain DAOs to people, I just say, it's a group of people on the internet who pool their money with a common purpose. The end. Right. You know, and in some ways, it's like it's like funding any other uh, venture, whether it's a charity, donating to a political campaign, etc. Um, Constitution Dow was something on a lot of people's list. Now let's hit something that uh, you included in in your favorite stories, or not favorite, but the most interesting moments that I didn't see others highlighting. It's almost like people forgot uh, John McAfee's death. I mean, let's yes. talk a little bit about that. I remember when the story came out, since there's you know a lot of confusion and, and he tends to be such a mysterious character. Um, a lot of people at first didn't really believe the report that he had died.
0: John McAfee didn't kill himself. Full stop. <laughs> um, so, look, I, I've had uh, uh, John McAfee on a previous podcasts before. I've produced podcasts with him on. Um, we've actually had good conversations. I sent him a bottle of scotch, um, you know, it, that he tweeted out and said, thank you for the scotch. Because he said, actually, as jokingly, tongue-in-cheek on the show, like, hey, for coming on your show, you just got to send me a bottle of scotch. And well, I did. Um, and then here's here's a story I never to- told anybody, but be, but me and a friend of mine, we were, you know, producing podcasts in the crypto space. And we we're talking to John and Jan- Jan- Janice about going down to their uh, boat and just doing a weekend with them and just you know, producing a whole thing, saying uh, a weekend with the with uh, John McAfee or the McAfee's. Right. And we, we, we thought it'd be really cool just to see like the lifestyle. You know, it was, it was I think it was 2019. Well, that same uh, week we were thinking about going down. Some kind of big raid happened on them, and they, they they tweeted that they had to flee. And you know, some kind of some country's army went in, and 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 whatever. And we're like, yeah, maybe we're not gonna go down there. I think it's a little hot to be going down there. So so John McAfee in the crypto space, in in just life in general, has been a very, uh, to put it mildly, interesting individual uh and and he's uh, controversial he says what he wants he's interesting and just because i you know i've spoken to him i understand what a little bit about him you know i've read about him we've been following him on twitter and so far for so so on and so forth when we heard that he died or killed himself it was like this is not john mcafee Mm -hmm. so i I, and i and i really feel that you know that story even though it was it, it was big because this you know Big personality died. I think there's more to it in the crypto space because we've we've seen, in my opinion, a lot of people start filling the John McAfee gap on Twitter. Like, because John McAfee was this huge, verbose, you know, big word, big action, big personality. And when he left, I think we saw like a, a almost like a, a vacuum in the crypto mm. space too of new big personalities come out to take his spot and also move through like this uh kind of more libertarian talking or dialogue on the internet. And so we saw a rise of of different personalities. And so i think john mcafee not killing himself was a huge story for this year that i think we need to actually could revisit in 2022 and start mm. figuring out how this is actually played out and what this actually means condolences to the to yeah. his family um you know obviously they, they miss him and they think that there something happened that uh, is unexplained yeah. still but i think it was a massive story that was there and left but i think we really need to get down and, and like look at it revisit it back in 2022.
1: massive story and um a really influential uh, tech entrepreneur, you know, creating uh, the web security companies. A lot he did, not just in crypto. Uh, let's talk about NFTs. You know, let's circle back a little bit. We were talking about it briefly at the beginning. But, you know, there's the NFT boom, obviously, and, and, you know, people feel some type of way about that. I mean, I think the reason the NFT boom was so fascinating is because of how divisive it's been. And that hasn't gone away. I mean, you know volume and transaction sales, fine. Look at the data. It's It's been up. It's been down. People declared it dead. It wasn't dead. But amid all of that, the sides of NFT believers who say this stuff is the future. We're going to use NFTs for all kinds of things. And I don't just mean people who you know own a punk and made it their Twitter photo and, and it's worth a lot more money now. And then the people who just say, I right clicked and saved. The whole thing is stupid. It's all a scam. They both seem to me as passionate and vocal as they were last March. And I think that's going to continue. What is your take on the NFT boom? And I know that specifically uh, the auctions have been really interesting to you. I mean, that to me has been the evidence that they have gone mainstream is that we've seen digital art auctioned by major traditional elite auction houses, you know, whether it's Beeple or whether it's Gary Vaynerchuk's hand-drawn doodles.
0: Well, that's why I want to go back to October of 2020. And even though this is a year in review, I think we have to just, you know, go back to Robert Alice's auction at Christie's was the first NFT auction at Christie's. Um, He was on the show, uh, the Crypt Daily, but before that, we didn't have these auctions. We didn't have this big money coming from NFTs of the crypto space and more of a traditional sense, where people are sitting there saying million, 1 million, 1. 1. 1.3 1. 1.4 and you know, getting these these works of art. Um, and so, he, so Robert Alice's work, uh, I think, it was called Block Twenty One, and which is really cool as a physical and NFT. uh That NFT was, um I think, the uh, NERC of the GPS look, the coordinates of the piece of work. If I'm if I'm correct, and anyway, that opened up like auction houses to go, hey this is a thing people are going to spend money on this this is a new art form let's start welcoming these other artists coming into these uh to christie's and sotheby's and so on and so forth and then uh six months later you have people uh people's art five thousand days sell for 70 million dollars and so i think that we can't you know deny the progress of or the evolution of the nft in uh, I guess the real world, if you will, in air quotes, and and what that means. So then you said Gary V's there. You have other auctions. You have a few issues. You have uh, you know just these these great artists that now have a new medium, now have a new reach, not only in the digital but also in the physical. I think that that was the that was the biggest evolutionary story. And then after we saw Beeple sell it for 70 million dollars and these other people sell it for millions of dollars, their, their works are we see people we see companies come in. We see eyes on NFTs. We see uh, celebrities look at NFTs and start purchasing. So I, I, this whole evolution, again, this is going back to my dominoes, Robert Alice domino effect, Beeple, yep. more dominoes, dominoes down the line. 2022 is going to still be the year of NFTs, I in, in my opinion.
1: I think so too. And and two thoughts there. First of all, I'm glad you mentioned Robert Alice. I mean, people forget, because the NFT boom became so dominated by digital art and also profile pictures, that NFTs can be tied to anything, including physical items. And some of the earliest, you know, forms of NFTs were blockchain certificates that showed ownership of a physical art piece, like a sculpture. You know, way back uh, Will Gotzogen, who has since left us. Uh, wrote a great story about an NFT that was tied to a series of sculptures, you know, those hanging sculptures in a gallery. So all of that was pre-Beeple. And that's still happening. I think it's died down a little bit, but I remember writing about, and this will be a good segue to the sports stuff, but I wrote a column months ago about college athletes seeing in NFTs a new form of a way for them to make money off their name, which is fine and great. Many of those college athletes who were minting their own NFTs, it was just a digital trading card, but then also to sweeten the pot, they would say, and the owner will get a pair of autographed sneakers from me. So it's not just digital, they can be tied to physical items. And the question I'd ask you about Beeple is whether it detracts, I mean, I agree with you, the the Beeple sale started everything. I mean, it wasn't the first, you're right, but it, it kickstarted this massive NFT boom in March. Does it detract at all from what happened that the buyer was Medikovan, this already crypto rich collector? In other words, you know, was it really a mainstream moment considering that it was a person who was already so deep in the crypto world?
0: I don't think it matters. It really doesn't matter I mean obviously it's going to be insider baseball until it's not insider baseball you know um and then what what actually start started started is that it's now outsider baseball uh, you know it's uh you have the um you know adidas you know his teaming up with uh with board api club you have these these partnerships coming out you have you know taco bell making uh, nfts and, and other other uh, franchises you know so and then you have Gary V obviously and you have so it it, it 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 doesn't matter who bought it. It is matters the result, and the result right now is that we have NFTs going just absolutely crazy yeah. through brands, through 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 um you know different ideas of ways to monetize. And I'm really happy you mentioned you know the sports, uh, the college athletes, and NFTs and stuff because. Yeah they were getting ripped off for so long. I'm really happy that there was a medium that they could actually yeah. start, you know, trying to make money from themselves, you know, schools and, and, and coaches are making millions of dollars, man. Just like a coach. I had coach at a, at a college you know, football. Well, how much were they making, man? 10, 20, uh, oh
1: yeah. 10, Ridiculous. 10. I mean, some of them more like Sabin and, you know, the other, the other big names. And but, then, the, you
0: know, like in the college athlete is sitting there like, Oh yeah, well, I got a, I got, I got a scholarship, so I better be, be grateful, but you're making right. millions of, off of my likelihood. So I like this. So it's like, I'm really happy that that gave them a, a way or a medium to get out there. So it, it started it all, man.
1: Well, and let, let's dive into sports. That's the next topic. And you know, it's one I love, Um, you know, it's more than just the the slapping your brand name on a sports stadium, although that has been huge and interesting um, you know, I, I should inform viewers that we named Sam Bankman Fried of FTX, our founder of the year. And it was interesting, you know, it's a great profile written by Stacey Elliott. And the profile opens with him saying that he was surprised just how much the FTX sports deals, just how much attention they got, because he thinks that it's not the biggest thing that the company did this year. He thinks the biggest thing the company did was the regulatory progress they made, you know, him testifying, meeting with lawmakers, trying to explain crypto to them. Fine. But he shouldn't be surprised because that stuff isn't as sexy as FTX Arena or an FTX patch on every single MLB umpire's uniform. I mean, this is huge. And then Coinbase got in. Coinbase is the type of company I didn't, I didn't think that they would end up doing that, you know, making sports marketing deals. Everyone is doing it. Crypto.com has rushed in. And that's not to mention uh, individual athletes doing NFTs. So what do you make of this? And during the Super Bowl, we already know that at least FTX and Crypto.com are running ads I think this will be a moment of big eyeballs but it will also lead to skeptics to just be able to complain further and be like, oh, this stuff is everywhere. I'm so sick of it." You know?
0: I think it's the biggest story when the biggest story of the year and 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 um Trump's all of the other uh, FTX mm. moves or uh, crypto.com's moves because of the longevity of what's being put on these buildings. Look, FTX Arena this is a 20-year deal. Crypto.com arena is a 20-year deal. If crypto goes bust in five years for some reason, we have this, this icon of failure on this <laughs> arena now for the <laughs> next 15 years. And so this is talking about – you are going to talk about going big. This is saying I have confidence in my product. I have right. confidence in the industry. I have confidence. And we're going to put it on a building. We're going to put it on uniforms. We're going to put it on commercials and advertisements. And now we are – We're going to team up with these sports uh, leagues, and we are going to tr- say that this is now we, – we have confidence that this is going to be a two-decade at least uh, industry that we're going to continue to help grow. And we're going to be there for those two decades because if crypto.com goes bust, uh, they uh, <laughs> again, you're going to have this huge uh, – Testament of their failure in the middle of of, of California. So it's it's going to be I, this is a really big because it's just going to perpetuate this this the crypto industry the narrative and keep eyes on this industry as it grows.
1: Absolutely, and again, I mean that Heat Arena deal is a 19 year contract, and I just keep going back to this. I uh, you know repeat viewers will know that I've quoted this a bunch of times now, but I think it's so funny. We, we asked Sam like. Your company didn't exist 2 years ago. How can you sign a 19 year contract? And he said, you know, we we've done well enough this year that right. we can pay the whole contract up front right now if we want to. Which
0: is huge. What was it? Like 1 135 million or something?
1: Yeah, that that's the number that has come out. Yeah. I mean, it's that just is- wild.
0: I mean, imagine, imagine, you know, starting your company like three years ago. I mean, the the guy's not even 30, and which is, one, super impressive, super disciplined, super smart, you know, whatever super you want to put in some kind of adjective and and throw some other there. there. He is all of that. And then to come out with a $135 million check and go, I got this. Don't worry about it. 19 years. With that confidence, with that commitment and that, you know, focus and vision, biggest story of the year. One of them, at least.
1: Now, uh, watch this transition, Matthew. Now, here's my one um, bugaboo about all the sports deals. Will it actually lead to more people buying crypto? You know, it's hard for me to imagine the scenario, or or it's a little implausible to me that, you know, someone goes to a heat arena and they're walking in and they see FTX and they're like, oh yeah, FTX, I've heard about that. Well, I've I've been thinking about buying some Bitcoin. I'll go to FTX to do it. Now, of course, that would be their hope. But it's hard for me to really picture that happening. Now, that said... ETFs and the drive for everyone to get a Bitcoin ETF approved in the U.S., that's the thinking is that that's what could actually bring a lot more mainstream regular people in, retail investors, because they might find it intimidating to have to go to an exchange, create an account and actually buy Bitcoin. But if you just say you can do it through e or Fidelity the way that you buy stock, well, then maybe. So we finally had the Bitcoin ETF approved, but not a spot ETF, a futures ETF, which is very different.
0: So first I want to go back to your the statement about the about the uh, arenas and do you think people are going to actually buy bitcoin or, or crypto um uh because of these arenas I don't think that that's not the point of of mm-hmm. putting your names on arenas it's to make sure that this is in the uh, mainstream lexicon the mainstream vision so that when we are looking at regulations when we're looking at dc uh rolling out or the sec or the cftc or, or what have you rolling out different uh regulations for different products and crypto products or decentralized uh, products that are going to be coming out that they're already comfortable with these brands these companies this idea this ethos so it's in my opinion it's not about buying or or hodling or investing it's about making sure that the populace is comfortable and knows about this so that the feeling isn't pushing this through and making, forcing it through, but more of like a simple slide in in fit. And I think that these kind of things, these big moves from these big companies uh, that are going public, that are, you know, branding, you know, and so so forth is going to help the SEC and Gary Gensler uh, put this uh, spot ETF in hopefully 2022, uh, hopefully, uh, but we will see. And I think that one of the biggest stories of this year was the fact that we did not have a spot ETF, and we have uh, bills like you know the infrastructure bill coming out with like this brokerage um, line in there talking about how crypto brokers and stuff that made no sense to the industry or the people who actually work in it. And so, not having a spot Bitcoin ETF, I think, is one of the biggest stories of the year. We usually say because this happened in in the the news or in the space or whatever that this is something big. It not happening in this case is mm-hmm. really big and important because we didn't get it and we got a futures. So basically, what this means is we're allowed to bet on the future price of bitcoin but we're not about allowed to buy the price of bitcoin. Uh so which is totally confusing. So the SEC yep. SEC and Gary Gensler comes out and says because bitcoin they have a couple uh, you know checkpoints there where he said he says this is why we're not doing a spot bitcoin ETF. One of them is is because mi- bitcoin's price could be manipulated. So if you could ma- manipulate the bitcoin price but still bet on the future, you're still doing the same thing. You're could manipulate the price to get the price that you want in the future and you know totally win. So what are you doing here? And and I think that that right. hypocrisy within the what the SEC set allowed to happen and what they say is happening is totally disjunct. And then you have the, uh, the Congress, U.S. Congress coming out with different kind of ideas about Bitcoin and crypto and having mm-hmm. this these weird conversations that also sound like hypocrisy or just doesn't make sense to the crypto space. They're not pushing it forward. So. I think not having the spot Bitcoin ETF was a big fail. This allowed the crypto community to rally together. Uh, we're, having, we're seeing a lot of you know, political movements, a lot of PACs, yeah. a lot of blockchain uh, lobbyists come out because of these different, I guess, weird policies that are coming out or lack thereof. And, well, I think not having the spot ETF is one of those, another nail in the coffin for Bitcoiners or or crypto advocates to come out and say, we're going to rally together. We're going to push this through. And we'll, let's, we'll see if 2022 goes more in our favor.
1: Well, and the whole reason that a lot of industry advocates wanted to see an ETF for so long is they think that's what might bring normies in, regular investors. And you're right when you say the futures ETF really doesn't accomplish that because it's confusing. It's a sort of more advanced investment instrument that a lot of people don't understand. That said, the volume was still huge in the first few days for BITO, B-I-T-O, the ProShares futures ETF. And I'll also say, Matthew, that I know two people who did buy it right away. And so even though it's not quite the Bitcoin ETF everyone wanted, there were some people who just right away they bought mostly because it was easier to buy and they just don't want to go create a a Coinbase account. So I think that was interesting. I do think that if we see a true spot ETF, which you're predicting in 2022, uh, and I, I never make specific price predictions, but I'll just say in a general sense that would no doubt uh cause the price to moon wouldn't it i mean bitcoin would go nuts if there's a true spot etf approved in 2022
0: absolutely i mean there's no way that it, it wouldn't and i think that uh maybe that they're trying to get their 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 capital on hand so when they do approve that spot bitcoin etf they can buy in maybe that's the that's the whole the whole play play for gary ginsler who knows but uh it definitely will move the bitcoin price undoubtedly
1: um, we've only got a few minutes left. Let's transition to Outlook for next year. You know, when we talked about NFTs earlier, you said you think they'll continue to be huge in 2022. Of course, even within that umbrella, there's so much happening. There's the metaverse and the metaverse land grab. You know, just yesterday, uh, we posted a Decrypt interview with the COO of the Sandbox, and he just thinks that this stuff is really going mainstream in 2022. We'll see. I think the metaverse has a long way to go. But NFTs continuing to get big despite the haters and the skeptics who think it's all stupid. Maybe we see Gary Gensler get a little warmer and we see a spot ETF. I mean, what are you expecting to have happen? Because we sound very bullish right now. And on the other hand, because of the huge year that crypto had, I also think it's equally possible that we enter another 2018-like crypto winner. Although I don't think, to be clear, that we'll see anything close to that kind of crash. It's very hard at this point for me to imagine a 65% price crash but what do you expect in the first, say, six months of the new year?
0: Well, I think that the first six months of the new year is going to well. The first three, let's go first. The first quarter. So the first quarter, I think I'm going to be very bullish because I don't think we're going to see much. I think a lot is going to be dependent on uh, what the uh, Fed does, and we mm-hmm. already saw that ta- the tapering and the, and the um, you know quantitative easing is going to be you know pulled back a little bit uh, faster than, you know, everybody was expecting. So until that first, for the first quarter, everything's going to be just as it is now. Right. So we're going to, I think we're going to see a lot of positive uh, price action and so on and so forth. Again, this is not financial advice. I'm just, you know, we're, we're, we're talking the, the fun of, of looking at 2022 that it said, moving into the late spring, early summer and into the fall, I think it's very much, we have no clue what's going to happen because we don't know what the, what the money is. Uh, the printers are going to be doing what the money supply is the rates and, and, and so on and so forth so i am very cautious in mid 2022 but first part of 2022 i still think to be a lot of building a lot of excitement a lot of uh uh, hype and and I think that maybe if uh, we do get you know Gary Gensler to be warm warm up on crypto a little bit and you know it gets a little more confidence and honestly these uh, lobbyists and these uh uh PACs and a lot of people that are talking to the uh, to people in in Washington are helping them build that confidence. I think we could have a very interesting start of 2022 for the crypto space.
1: Absolutely, hundred uh, percent. I think it's going to be very interesting, and I also think that I mean I I, I always hate the phrase too big to fail, but. Uh, when we started to see a big pullback, what was it a month ago when Bitcoin crashed like 10%? And in all the places that only write when there's a big crash ran the predictable headlines of, you know, Bitcoin's tanking again. And uh, people were started to be very bearish on BTC. Um, you know, you started to say, you started to hear some people say, oh my God, it feels like 2018 again and crypto winter. No, it doesn't. It did not feel like 2018. At this point, there's so much buy-in. There's so much backing. It's gone so mainstream. It's so much bigger than it's ever been that even a major price correction this year, which could very well happen, would not mean, you know, oh, crypto collapses. I mean, I always like to say to people who who aren't into the space and ask me about it, I just say, well, it's not going to go to zero. That has never happened. I mean, something you hear from a lot of skeptics is they say, it could all crash tomorrow. It could go to zero. No, it couldn't. It's not going to go to zero. And I just think that regardless of what happens with the price next year, I expect the industry as a whole to continue to grow and become more mainstream as it did in 2020 and then as it did in 2021.
0: I think we really also have to just like look at the history of Bitcoin. Look, earlier this year, I mean, we had two all-time highs. I mean, we went up in, what was it, May? We had our first, you know, $60,000 Bitcoin, and then it dropped back down to like forty-two, right? Or, or even even lower in the uh, under 40, if I think. And we're, everybody's like, oh, that was it. That was our, our high. Then we hit up, up again. to 68, yeah. 69,000 and it went back down to 420, 69, 420. Absolutely hilarious. We must be living in the matrix. I have no clue how that even happened. Nice. But but now we're sitting there again, you know, everybody's quiet. It's the it's the holidays. Everybody's saying that, no, we're going to go back into a bear. But remember when we hit that bear in, in, in 2018, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it just, it's, it, it slid all the way. I mean, it went from 20,000 to, uh, 14,000 to 11,000 in weeks. And then it yep. kept on going down. This is not the same. I mean, it did go down. We did have a 30% pullback across the board, but, um, we're going sideways. And that means that there's a lot of confident people in crypto. They're still parking money there. We're still building, we're still trying to adopt and, and adapt. And so, uh, I, I don't see that stopping into 2022. Yeah. If it did stop in 2022, again, there's external factors that are, are going to be happening uh, that we have that are out of our control. That we just put our head down and build, and then I'll see you in 2024, 28, 20, 30. Who knows? But uh, it, I don't think it's gonna it's gonna stop.
1: Yeah, we could go on this forever. But same thing. I mean, I was doing a Yahoo live hit yesterday, and you know, they wanted to talk about how Bitcoin was down seven percent. Fine. But I said, well, okay, want to look a year ago? At Christmas a year ago, Bitcoin had hit 25K and it was an all-time high. Uh, This year, you know, we were almost at 70. So people can complain, oh, no, it's sunk back below 50K. But the point is, we keep moving that goalpost and moving that new resistance level. And now we're at around 50K as the current resistance level. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, Matthew, thank you so much for joining us, especially the day after your birthday. Absolutely. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And I just want to tell all the viewers about a few goodies they should check out. First of all, Matthew hosts our Decrypt Daily podcast, one of the only and one of the best daily crypto podcasts in the space. It's very good. You should subscribe and listen wherever you listen to podcasts. And then in terms of all of our end of year content, some of which we've referenced, head to Decrypt.co. I mean, we just put out today our list of the most innovative NFT artists of the year. We named our person of the year, Gary Gensler, our founder of the year, Sam Sam Bankman-Fried, Uh, We also did some great stuff on the top performing assets. And of course, we had a great feature about what we thought was the biggest story in crypto of 2021, NFTs, as Matthew and I just discussed. So lots to read over the next few days as you celebrate the new year. And as you gear up for the big return to work after a quiet week on Monday, we will be back at our desks covering all the best news. So thank you to the viewers. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you to the readers. And happy new year, everyone.
0: Happy new year, sir. Happy new year, everyone.
1: All right.